Need a new set of optics? For more than a decade, Riton Optics has been providing optic solutions for hunters and shooters of all types and disciplines. Check out their Primal line for those products geared more towards us hunters. From binoculars and spotting scopes to your basic 3 to 9 scopes and longer range crossover models, the Primal line from Riton was made for hunters. Learn more at rightonoptics.com. That's right on R I T O N optics.com. On today's episode, we talk with a special guest, owner of Beaver Creek Game Calls, and learn how to effectively call deer into shooting range. Stay tuned. Hunt, 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 hunt. Welcome to the Where to Hunt podcast, the podcast that connects public land hunting enthusiasts. Today is September 8th, and this is episode 21. I'm your host, Eric Clark. Today we brought on a guest, Patrick Urkfitz of Beaver Creek Game Calls, and uh, really, I, I kind of just hammered him with questions about how to use calls, which calls to use, when to use them, how to use them most effectively. And uh, I got to be honest, Patrick did a great job answering all the questions that I had. And I think this is a very, very valuable episode to listen to. So I will just go ahead and bring him on right now so we can get into it. All right, we're going to go ahead and welcome our guest of the week to the show. Today we have Patrick Urkfitz of Beaver Creek Game Calls. Patrick, how you doing, man? Good. How about you? Doing well. Doing well. Summer is, uh, I don't know, more or less officially over after the holiday, right? Yeah, it's it's wrapping up and uh, fall's coming fast. Yeah, I can't I can't be more excited to tell you the truth. Our season for for um, deer bow hunting starts on September 12th, so we're getting real close here. How about you? Where you're from? Yeah, um, I'm from New York and uh, in upstate New York. Uh, early bow season starts October 1st, so just a few weeks away, and uh, we're getting ready for that for sure. That's exciting up there too, October 1st. Interesting. Um, so tell tell us the audience about yourself, uh, your hobbies, and uh, ultimately how you came to start Beaver Creek Game Calls. Yeah, um, I've been making. Uh, game calls for three years now um it started off just making uh turkey diaphragm calls and uh after i sold a few of them i kind of ventured out into uh other type calls um right now i make duck deer um goose and still the turkey calls so it's grown quite a bit and uh started just as kind of a hobby and uh just growing from there i've got to meet a lot of cool cool people around the country that's awesome man how how um how many have you sold since you started it, do you think, if you had to guess? Um, I definitely sell them. The most calls I sell are, are duck calls, and uh, it's getting close to 1,000. Um, deer calls would be second, and uh, then, you know, turkey diaphragm calls in the spring. Everybody tries to get their hands on some before they go out. That's pretty cool. How, how long have you been hunting? I've been hunting, I got a late start on it. I started hunting when I was uh, 17. Um, before that, um, I put, I played a lot of baseball when I was a kid, and that, that took up a lot of my time. Sure. But you still play a lot of baseball, right? Yeah, I, I do. <laughs> uh, I've been playing uh, eight years. Um, 
I started off playing with Houston Astros organization, and this last year I've been with the uh, Miami Marlins. Yeah, that's pretty freaking exciting, man, on a, on an aside. That's awesome. Yeah, it's it's fun for sure, and uh, it works out real well with uh, uh, Beaver Creek because, you know, baseball season's during the spring and summer, and then when I get home after the season, hunting season's cranked up, so I start making calls again. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. How... how and I'm gonna I'm gonna assume here duck hunting is that your favorite type of hunting? Yeah, I, um, I definitely do uh, spend the most time duck hunting. Um, second would be bow hunting. Nice. And uh, so the I, I try to ask everyone this, and I think I've succeeded so far. But do you hunt private or public land when you go? Um, we, we hunt a lot of public land, um, which which is tough, but it. Yep. definitely pays off when, when, you know, you have a successful hunt. It's real rewarding. Um, there's a lot of public land in upstate New York off Lake Ontario that we hunt quite a bit. That's cool. I was actually, my next question was, uh, where, 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 like, what state are you hunting? I have to imagine, so I'm, I'm in Wisconsin, obviously, and I wonder how similar our hunting is. Uh, you know, we're both northern states. You're obviously a bit more north. And, in fact, I was actually in New York um in june and got to travel kind of to the northern part of it and as we went to went to um oh gosh i'm having a brain fart here where they make all the syrup <laughs> well, I don't know, i'm not thinking of what where what's the state that's north of you guys that makes all the syrup vermont that's what it is okay yeah very pretty okay yeah oh that part of the country is uh it's beautiful and it seems similar now once you get up that that far north, you guys have like moose too, right? Is that common? Um, um, that's more uh, north east of where we are. Okay. I know Vermont. I'm pretty sure Mer- Vermont has them. Um, where I'm from is uh, just east of Buffalo, New York, and we just have uh, whitetail. Okay, and. So getting into the calls that you guys make, what what types of calls do you make? I know it's a fairly broad question but you i think you already kind of touched on it. you said it was um duck yeah um yep the types of calls that uh i build are duck um and and you know there's five different uh varieties of duck calls that i make just kind of different tones and diff- for different terrain stuff like that different volumes um the deer calls i have three different deer calls um that i build one is kind of a, a multi-tone that got a little slide on it and you can kind of create any any sound of a whitetail just by sliding it and uh the two others one is a, a young buck grunt a non-aggressive call and the other is a uh dominant buck grunt call and what's so what's unique about your calls um in contrast to something i would go get off the shelf at like a big box store yeah um basically that what i i tell people is you know Every call that, that I sell, if you were to go on the website and pick up a call, I you know I built it from top to bottom, and uh, I tune every one before it goes out. So before your call goes and gets shipped to you, it, it's going to be sounding just how it's supposed to sound, um, as opposed to I can't speak for the bigger companies, but I'm assuming that some of the bigger companies, it's more mass-produced and... Uh, there might be a little more variety in, in, in the calls. So yours are, yeah, kind of more, more or less exact, custom-built every time. Right. And, and, right. 
That's pretty cool. No, I know um, I, I read some of your product descriptions. You have some interest. Well, I wouldn't say interesting, but some of the names. I mean, the one makes a lot of sense. You said Young Buck is one of the calls that you make. Uh, you have another one called Reaper and the other one called The Herd. Could you explain the, the different variations? What I'm really after um, when I do these episodes is, first of all, huge plug for you. It's awesome. It's really exciting for you to get your, your name out there more. And additionally, uh, I really want to be able to inform the audience and, and educate them on you know what they can do to better their hunting experience. And if you're a public land hunter, you can relate, man. It's difficult. So you get that deer and you have that moment. This call could make or break. You know, if it's if it's heading off in the wrong direction, you might be able to turn things around if you come across something. So I'm personally really excited to be talking to you, to be honest, because I, I haven't had a lot of success, success with calls. So I'm going to buy all of the calls that you have for, for starters. And uh, I expect that I can come back to this episode and listen to it so I know how to use each one. But I guess... Okay. Yeah, um, I can I can kind of break down break it down into what you said is exactly right. Um it's a very tricky thing, uh, calling deer, because it's just kind of like, uh, I relate it to people. Some people are more vocal than others. And, uh, and, and you kind of have to read the deer's language. If you see a deer interacting with other deer, um, that's probably a good deer that you can call closer into a bow range. Um, if you see a deer that's kind of just meandering around, uh, kind of on its own, you probably don't want to call to that deer. Um, so it is a tricky thing. Um, the, the three calls I make, I'll break down. Uh, you mentioned the young buck grunt call. That's a call that, um, like I said, is non-aggressive. Um, some of the grunt calls on the market today are going to scare away more deer than they're going to bring in just because of the fact that when, when you're calling with an aggressive call, younger deer aren't going to want to come in to, for a fight. So, so you don't, you're not going to want to fight a bodybuilder, for example. Um, <laughs> right? So like if a bodybuilder's across yeah. the, if he's across the room yelling at you, you're probably going to go away. Um, that's kind of how I relate that. So the young buck uh, grunt call is is a hot, is a little bit of a higher pitch, and it's a non-aggressive call. So what it does is simulate a two and a half year old buck that um, is not so dominant in the area, and it, and it'll. Uh, it's not going to scare away other bucks. It's, it's a non-aggressive call, like I said, and uh, it's, it's not going to scare them. Um, the second call is uh, the herd, and I named it that because it can make every tone of a white-tailed deer. So essentially you can make every sound that, that your deer herd it potentially can make. Um, so that's my favorite call personally just because it's basically all the calls in one. Um, there's just a little metal slide on the side, and uh, you can go from a fawn bleed all the way up to a dominant buck grunt. So is there more of a learning um, curve for that one then, too, because it has such a wide range of calls, or is it pretty yeah, intuitive? Yeah, so um, it's not too hard. Um, grunt calls don't take a lot of practice. The main thing you need to learn before using one is exactly how deer vocalize. Um, so, some people can call too hard or too loud um it's kind of a subtle sound and you don't want to put a lot of air through um so when when i was learning you know to make these calls i just kind of went on um youtube or, or some of the different websites and just type in white-tailed deer vocalizations and then you can see how a doe sounds or how a mature buck sounds or a fawn 
and then you just take the call while watching the video and just try to mimic what you're hearing through the uh, the speakers or, or however you're uh, listening to the sound. Um, so that call is kind of an all-in-one. You know, you can you can just slide the the tab and get to every sound that you're looking for. Um, and and the last call is the Reaper dominant butt grunt call. And and I tell people to be careful with this one because again it's it's a dominant grunt call, so it, it is going to scare away younger deer. Um, if if you know there's a dominant buck that you're hunting, this is the call you want because like I said. Um, if there's a bodybuilder across the room yelling at another bodybuilder, they might fight. And uh, that's a call you could use to um, kind of as a last-ditch effort to lure in that dominant buck in your area, Um, especially during the rut and when they're getting aggressive. Early in the season, I prefer the fawn bleat through the herd and the young buck. That's pretty. That's pretty good information because that was actually going to be my next question is, uh, aside from the reaper and the young buck, you know, like, so for us in Wisconsin, the season starts on the 12th. That's four days from now. And it'll be this weekend. Saturday is our opener. And I'm thinking, well, I don't know, is our, our deer going to respond to a call? You know what I mean? So right. the fact you mentioned, yeah, maybe use like a fawn bleed or something like that. That could be an effective, an effective choice. And this is really primarily to get, most people are after trophy. Most people are trophy hunting. Most people are after bucks. But if I want to just fill my freezer, and I know there's a lot of doe in the area, have you had any luck with, um, you know, calling in does too, or just bucks, or what's your, what's been, what's your experience been like? Absolutely, um, my experience is that I've had a lot more success calling in does than I have bucks. Um, I don't know why that is, but if you go out in the early season and hit a fawn bleed, you have a good chance of calling in uh, some does just because they're together and they're looking after their fawns. They've been hearing that sound the whole summer, and uh, that's just something that they're really used to hearing and going to. Um, So in terms of the does, I've called in a lot of does with either a doe bleed, which you can produce on the um, herd, the multi-tone grunt call, or Mm -hmm. a fawn bleed. Um, Either of those two are really good early in the season. Um, and throughout the season as well, just because they're non-aggressive calls, they're not going to scare them away. If anything, they'll just ignore it and, uh, and move, move on, but it's not going to scare them away. Now, what about like repetition? You know, if they're not going to respond to it, maybe there's not a deer in the area. Maybe there is, and it's ignoring you. How many, how many chances do you give this thing? How often, what's your, your interval and, or your, the quantity that you're putting out there? Right. Um, that's a really good question because um, <laughs> hopefully you have a good answer. <laughs> people can people can get very frustrated. You're sitting near a deer stand using this call over and over, and you're like, you know, where where are the deer at? Um, I don't use grunt calls in that way. The way I use them is if I have a deer out of range, you know, if if it, if I'm well hidden in a stand or in a ground blind, if it's just out of range and I need to get its attention to come you know, a little closer, or if one has walked through um, and I need to bring it back. Um, those are the two times I'll call. I'll never call to it if it's coming right to me, you know. You no don't want to alert right. it. Right. Okay, right, exactly, no need. Um, I've had success calling them into range and calling them back. That's pretty good. Otherwise, yeah, it's not magic. You're not just calling and deer are going to show up. 
I mean, right. that and, could and, happen, and but it seems less likely and not a reasonable the expectation. Only time that, yeah, and that's the thing. You know, deer can hear very well, but these calls aren't going to echo through the woods, and we don't want them to echo through the woods. They wouldn't be authentic. It would, it's yeah. like a, a, right, and it would just be like a megaphone. So um, the deer needs to be within earshot of it for it to, you know, flick a ear, and, and then you got its attention. And then you can tone it down a little bit. And uh, basically, you just need to read the body language of that deer. That's probably one of the coolest points I've heard about this stuff. I mean, you can read all the stuff you want. Or, I mean, there's a lot of value on YouTube looking and searching for how to do this stuff. I mean, don't get me wrong. But to hear it from someone that makes these things and pays attention to what's important, you know, I never would have thought, like literally, I wouldn't have had the thought process come to my mind where I would think, to watch how the deer is reacting to other deer or if there aren't other deer around that deer maybe isn't a, a social deer. So it, it right. call wouldn't be effective perhaps. And I think that's probably, I don't know, man, that's really, really cool advice. Um, hopefully people can, can take that in and use it. Have you had a lot of uh, feedback from your customers too? Like response to saying, Hey, yeah. You know, uh, yeah. Um, I, I, whenever I send the call, I always, uh, you know, leave a little message with the call. Hey, you know, if you got time, send us some feedback, or we'd love to see some pictures from your hunt. Or, and and this these last few years, it's really been rewarding to hear from customers, seeing pictures of deer that they've killed, um, see, hearing stories. Um, it's just been an awesome process of getting to know the customers and hearing feedback from them, and uh, it's real really rewarding. It's pretty cool. How how did you how did you start to you just kind of started building them, sold a couple, and then decided hey, I'm going to put this stuff online. Do people find you organically? Or are you are you kind of spreading this out, or is there a lot of referrals? Yeah, um, I don't I don't advertise too much. Um, social media we I've used a lot, and um, I really rely on word of mouth. Um, whenever I send a call, I'll tell. You know, tell the customer, hey, if, you, if it's up to your standard, spread the word. You know, and with that call in the package, I'll send, you know, a stack of business cards. And maybe if they go to the, their deer camp and they like to call a buddy of them, they'll, they'll give them a business card and, and it'll spread that way. That's pretty cool. That's super cool. Do you do any YouTube videos for tutorials or anything like that? Yes. Um, I do have a YouTube channel for the um, calls. Uh, just if you go to YouTube, type in Beaver Creek Game Calls. I just I have about every call that I build. I try to put a video up there, just of kind of the basics, how it can be used, and um, and just a little demo, video demo, so people can hear it and see what it's all about before they buy it. That's pretty cool. I have a uh, a buddy that does a a like a, a duck guide hunting service. And he okay. calls himself Mud Duck Guide Service here in Wisconsin. He's he's just taken off, but he's you know getting some traction. People are using him. He's taking people out successfully, you know, and on public land, which is really cool. I'll have to be sure to make sure, be sure to make sure. I'll make sure that he gets your information because um, he'd be one hell of an advocate to have, you know, if he says it works in this community and area, it would be impactful on some small scale, which is kind of neat. That'd be a good test too. Oh, yeah, I don't, for I don't sure. duck hunt. I don't duck hunt yet, so right. I wouldn't be using those ones. But I can. I definitely want to try your deer calls out here, um, and learn more about how to do that. Because I've had scenarios where I've, 
you know, I could have called a deer back perhaps if you know, last year I had two. Right. And, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah. Uh, and I, <laughs> go ahead, I, go ahead. I'll always tell people, you know, um, one thing, if you just throw it in your pocket, if it pays off one out of 10 times, then, or one out of 50 times and it brings a deer back, it's going to be worth it. You know, um, there was a couple of years ago where I was just walking out the door, threw one in my pocket, not thinking I'd even use it that day. Um, a buck trotted by on a run. This was in um, bow season. It got out of sight just over a ridge. I hit a few fawn bleeds, and next thing I know, it's coming back 10-yard shot. Um, and that was a deer that would have just been on its way. And uh, it was kind of a Hail Mary last-ditch effort, and it paid off. Yeah, you're right. One out of 50 times, like it's not going to hurt you any. It's not like it's a heavy piece of equipment to carry or lug around. It's a, you know, it's a lightweight call you can put in your pocket. Right. It's it's just something you can put in your pocket, and if you don't use it that day, oh well. And if it pays off, that's even better. Yep. Yep. That's pretty cool. One well, and even so, like your your herd call that you have, you know, come come rut, maybe maybe the the young buck or the reaper wouldn't be the the optimal choice if you can call in a doe and, and you know the bucks are chasing maybe you bring in a doe and, he, and she'll bring in a buck inadvertently you know right and that, no, might, that might be a reach if, of a strategy if but you, if you if you can get deer on their feet anyway you got a chance so any way you can do that is definitely something to explore that's cool well with that man i, I really want to say thank you for taking time out of your day uh you know to be on the show um before before I let you go, let's give you a plug here. How can people find you, and, and how can they buy your calls? Yeah, um, we I sell all the calls um, that I build on our website, and it's beavercreekgamecalls.com. Um, on there, you're going to find all the calls, videos of the calls, and descriptions of each. Cool, cool. And then you, you said you're big into social media, too. Yep, um... We've, we've uh, really tried to spread the word in social media um, just because it's turned into free advertising, you know, these days. Yep. Um, we got Twitter, um, an Instagram, and Facebook account for the uh, for Beaver Creek, and you can just go to any of those and type in Beaver Creek Game Calls, and we'll pop up. Sweet. And then you got the videos, too, like you said on YouTube. Same thing, Beaver Creek Game Calls? Yes, on YouTube we have a YouTube channel, Beaver Creek Game Calls. Awesome, man. Hey, thanks again. I appreciate it. I appreciate you being on the show. It's very informative. And, uh, you know, we might have you back when I get into duck hunting <laughs> so we can talk about those things. No, two. that would be great. I, I appreciate you having me. Yeah, not a problem at all. Very, very happy to have you. Looking for a spot to hunt? Download the free Where to Hunt app for your smartphone today. Avoid hunters, see less people, see more deer. With the Where to Hunt app, you will know where other hunters are before you see them. Just search Where to Hunt from the App Store to download today. All right, our next segment, the tip of the week. The tip of the week this week is another DIY. They're all going to end up being DIYs. Uh, Do-it-yourself tip of the week. Save some money. This is something that uh, I feel... We've all experienced, we've all been there. So on the front side of the hunt and the preparation side of things, you're going to have to kind of think this through. And I'm certain a lot of people have to some some degree. What I'm talking about is silencing your tree stand. Silence your tree stand, silence your sticks, 
do it for the hike in, do it for when you're actually setting this thing up, um, and as well as when you're on the on the stand itself. There's a there's a lot you can do. There's a ton, so I'm not going to cover this whole entire topic because it is there. There's so many different ways people can go about doing this, but some of the things that I uh, have come across are when you're silencing your your sticks, you can tape or spray um, different types and kinds of brands of uh, either felt covered kind of adhesive to the sticks. So when you're walking in, they don't clank. When you're putting them on the tree stand, you're not getting an unnatural metal sound. Um, the other thing, and so there's also sprays too. You can get a spray can, which if you hold one of these things, they're really, they're really dense. They're very heavy. So I'm not, I haven't done that. Uh, I know people have taped their, their sticks or climbing sticks. I actually own a pair of uh, lone wolf climbing sticks that are very nice. And there's, there's just the basic kind of electrical tape that you can get, but it, it doesn't have a lot of longevity. If you use that, there's a better brand out there. I'm sorry, but I forget what it's actually called. Um, darn, darn it. Nonetheless, I'll, I'll see if I can remember that and um, post it to the to the Facebook page and or the Twitter account and kind of go that that route. Uh, same thing with the buckles on your stands; they they can get really loud, clank around. Um, you can cover those with felt, rubber, even for instance, would be a good option too. Noise noise on the way in. Um, check all of your contact points and and do this like do some dry runs, do some test runs. You know, walk in, jump around, hop around have someone tell you where the where the sound's coming from get a buddy to help you out with this stuff it's kind of a, an interesting thing to think about because it can be very clunky and um you know we've all been there in our stand and heard that hunter walking in later than they should have been or even maybe on time but you can you can hear them and if we can hear them holy crap the deer can hear them so other things to consider like tighten the nuts and the bolts all the way down Maybe you can even use some a bow wax string where necessary to kind of, a, again, dampen the sound or silence it completely. Um, some people that I've uh, researched on this topic, they actually took, um, like, not string, but some sort of, like, rope where they would wrap it around each little, like, kind of um, prong of the, of the bottom of the stand so, and they did it in such a way where they could feel through their boots, you know, where they were on the stand too. So another kind of a thing for safety also, but ultimately it, it, it quiets it down. So you're not making any sound on the metal either. There's like a ton of things and a ton of techniques. If you just simply go on the internet and search how to quiet my tree stand or effective ways to do that or DIY things, it's just something to consider and think about as we're getting into the bow opener here in a couple of days. So wanted to touch on that DIY tip of the week. All right, on to our newest segment of the show, the last segment of the show. Uh, I have not thought of what to call this yet. An idea I had was deer in the headlights. We'll see. I'll probably actually put it out to the audience to figure out and help me vote on a name for this segment. But I definitely, I think we're going to keep doing it. The feedback is good. Um, on, on this week's episode, again, focusing on safety. Safety is always going to be the concern here, really. I'm trying to highlight some of these stories to really showcase that... Um, you got to think when you're out there and, and most of us do common sense should prevail, but you know, we're all human beings. So mistakes will be made. And I'm going to talk about those mistakes at the end of every episode. Uh, this one is again, a non-fatal, um, injury, slightly comical again, but a bit scary because it could have, it could have gone much, much worse. So this particular incident, um, was nine 30 in the morning on April 25th, 2015, and it took place in Sheboygan, Wisconsin on private land. Um, 
there were two parties involved. It, it doesn't say that um, they were together. It's hard to tell for certain. But the, the common theme here is that there's a young hunter and a much older hunter. There's a big difference in age from, from what I'm seeing here because I've looked at quite a bit of these. So another one, this one again, is from Wisconsin, Sheboygan. And uh, I'll just kind of read the synopsis. There was, okay, synopsis quote, Shooter was hunting turkey. Shooter set up with turkey fan decoy along field edge. Victim was crawling on the ground holding a strutting tom turkey decoy heading towards Shooter's decoy. Shooter saw decoy through the brush and shot once, hitting the victim in the left hand. That's the end of the synopsis. Um, what? Like, what goes on out there? That must have been one hell of a good-looking decoy. And why on earth was some other hunter... What, were they walking? Were they crawling? It just says heading towards. So, like, someone's carrying a decoy towards another decoy. I can't even imagine what was going on in the situation of this scenario if they were if they were in the same hunting party and someone was like, oh, I'm going to go put another decoy out there because I can't imagine why someone would walk up to a a setup of decoys that wasn't theirs that doesn't make any sense unless they were trying to steal it in which case getting shot in the hand um you know might be a viable consequence however it doesn't go into that much detail all i know is the person that um was shooting was older they were 62 the person that got shot was 28 so know your target and beyond know what you're shooting at if I don't know how you don't see a person carrying a decoy towards your decoys and then you shoot at the decoy and end up shooting someone in the freaking hand. Um, and the other person who's, who's marching or walking or crawling or army crawling or whatever the hell they're doing, they're going towards someone else's decoys with a decoy. Don't you think maybe someone's like got that staked out with a gun, you know, be careful. And if you're, if you're shooting with a flipping gun, you're supposed to have blaze orange on right? That's a real thing. You should wear his orange. So very strange incident, slightly comical. Luckily it wasn't worse, but we're going to keep these things coming. Uh, um, excuse me. Eventually we're going to have a name for this segment. And, uh, you know, again, just be safe, be aware, be conscious, critically think while you're out there, um, know your target and beyond and just common sense, you know, don't, don't shoot your target unless you're sure of your target, unless this guy was sure he was going to shoot the guy that was about to steal his decoys. You know, that might be the case, but, uh, I don't know who knows, who knows what actually happened. If it was you and you're hearing this, you know, let us know what happened there. Otherwise, uh, the rest of you have a great day and hunt public land. Thanks so much.